Well, hey, cousins, you are listening to Revolutionary Hood Rat with Kim Young of Dope Black Social Worker. And wow, we are back for episode number two. Y'all, this is wild, wild. Like I can't even express through words how grateful I am for all of the well wishes and love and support that I received when I shared over on Instagram um, last week that I was making the switch to the podcast. Y'all, my heart is so full with all of the things. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for accepting this invitation to join me along my full display of humanity on this platform. And I, I, my little awkward self is so damn overwhelmed. I don't even know what to do with it, but let me take a moment just to check in. Like, how am I showing up in this moment? I would say my heart is good. My mind is clear. And my body is desiring some movement. So I already know for a fact when I get done recording this episode, I'm going to honor my body. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go move because it is yearning like, girl, get up, move me. Um, So aside from that, though, my heart is strong and my mind is clear and I'm in a good place. All of those things that I'm grateful for. So let's jump into it. Uh, Revolutionary news for the week. I want to lift up a high school student in Kansas City, Missouri, a beautiful, chocolatey young lady. Her name is Madison Lyman. She's 17 years old. And she was most recently selected to serve on a commission in her city to help the city study reparations for Black residents. And what I really find dope about the revolutionary work that Ms. Madison is engaged in is how truthful she is around just working with systems to achieve results. Like inside of this article that I'm reading from Education Week, Madison says, remember now, this beautiful chocolate human is 17 years old. And she says, sometimes in this work, you have to work with the system within certain constraints, which I personally don't like. I don't think it is always successful. I'm kind of getting over that hesitancy, but it's still a thing that's there. Yo, I love this kid. Like these are the types of moments and young people that let me know we are definitely going to be more than okay. We're going to be more than okay. Um, In that article, she also shares that The people who are going to be the most impacted by something like reparations, once it comes to fruition, are going to be the people who are in high school right now and even younger. They should be able to help share their future. Yo, I love her. And so shout out to Miss Madison, um, who was recently selected to serve on her city's commission to study reparations for Black residents in um, Kansas City, Missouri. All right, so for Earth is Ghetto, y'all, I don't even know where to start. So many things have happened in this last week because this week been doing its big one. I think I'm going to start with what's been on my mind the most. Well, I wouldn't even say the most, but just like, damn. So some people might already know about this or have seen it floating around on social media or other outlets, but there was an incident with Sukiyana and y'all know I love me some Sukiyana more specifically I ride for Destiny though that is Sukiyana's real name is Destiny but there was this video floating around online of Sukiyana um, being assaulted 
by a rapper by the name of YK Osiris. And y'all, when I first saw the name, because I think sometimes I be having a little bit of dyslexia or something, letters be doing what they want to do when I see them. I thought I saw NLE Chopper. And if, I love me some NLE Chopper. And I know it's probably incredibly criminal, borderline illegal for me to like that young man. But he be talking big shit and I like his music, but it wasn't him. YK Osiris, a young person that I am not familiar with. There was this video of that young man assaulting Sukiana, like literally forcing a kiss up on her more than one time, laughing about it. She is visibly uncomfortable, visibly scared. Like she is leaning back away from him, trying to pull away from him. And he's just continued to put his face on her face. And there are other men that are sitting around Tsukiyana literally watching this happen. Some of them are laughing in what appears to be like nervous laughter. Some of them are just kind of staring. Most importantly, none of them are doing anything. And so after he forces himself up on her, like kiss, try to not try, he kisses her more than one time. He like goes off to a group of other men and he's like laughing and trying to dap it up, like clearly trying to get approval for behaving poorly. And so YK Osiris, let me look it up to make sure we get this right. YK Osiris is, he is 24 years old and um, Sukiana is, Sukiana is 31 years old. And so some of the narrative that was coming out around the situation is like, oh, he's young and this is just what young boys do. And he didn't really mean it. All this other stuff. Right. Um, so after the incident happened, I would say a few days later, YK Osiris released this statement and I'm going to read it um, on his Instagram page. He posted, I want to publicly offer my sincerest apologies to Sukiana. In an attempt to be playful, I misread the moment and violated Sukiana's boundaries. I understand the importance of consent and I am embarrassed by my behavior. I take full responsibility and I have made multiple attempts to apologize. I have the utmost admiration for Sukiana and it was never my intention to disrespect her. So obviously a black woman wrote that. You won't be able to convince me otherwise. Like a black woman on his PR team or in his camp definitely wrote that statement for him to release. Cause you know, people were calling for him to be charged with sexual assault and, um, you know, cancel whatever the cancel culture thing is these days. They were calling for all that shit. And during the whole incident after it happened, like Sukiana, who's pretty visible on social media, she does a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews. Um, she had just kind of disappeared from all of those platforms. However, she did come back with a, her own statement and what appears to be her accepting um, his apology. And this is what Sukiana wrote. I want to first say thank you to everyone who has reached out. Your thoughtfulness has not gone unnoticed. I would like to address the events that took place as well as the aftermath surrounding such. First, I want to acknowledge that YK Osiris has apologized to me both privately and publicly, and I have chosen to accept his apology. God always forgives me, and I can always forgive others. My accepting his apology is not my, is not my excusing or lessening the severity of his actions. 
This is destiny choosing, choosing to give grace to Osiris. He is young. It is my prayer that this experience will cause him and others to be more mindful and respect the personal boundaries of others. I am human, a woman, a mother, and daughter before I am an entertainer. No matter what my lyrics express, I still have boundaries and a right to have them. Again, I have accepted his apology and I am working towards getting back to my life. I'm giving YK the grace and forgiveness that I wanted to be given to me as I was discovering and defining myself on this very public and sometimes unforgiving entertainment platform. Thank you again. I deeply appreciate your support. And, you know, the first time I read the statement that Destiny put out, aka Sukiana, but I'm going to refer to her as Destiny because this is her showing us who she is, right? What is she, what she's made of and what she's about. Like the first time I read it, I was, I was so sad and I was angry. And it's just like, why? It's always us. And by us, I mean black women. Like it's always us that has to give in or or change or accept or be better for whatever better is. And why is it always us? It always feels like the burden of doing the right thing, whatever the right thing means, or the burden of forgiveness and grace and understanding and compassion seems to always have to come from and flow from the direction of Black women. And it's very rare that it flows back to us. And like, even in that situation, as much, right? Like as I would have wanted to be angry or upset and completely outraged and like stay in that moment of being angry, upset and outraged. I don't even think I know how to do that, which also makes me wonder, well, does Destiny even know how to do that? How often are Black women permitted an opportunity just to be angry and stay angry, <laughs> have outrage and operate within outrage without having to move to a place of forgiveness and compassion and understanding? Granted, like I'd rather be in that place. It's a lot more peaceful and enjoyable for me to exist. But there are some times when I just want to be angry and pissed off and mad and nothing else but that. And I do wonder if Destiny wanted to be those things too, but felt the pressure of carrying this unwavering moral obligation to forgive. And like how many, how many black women? Just have to do this every single day to stay alive, to stay safe. I don't know. That shit pissed me off. It always pisses me off. And it's like this continuous reminder, just how ghetto this place is where like black women just can't be without having to be something better, whatever better is, or something else than just themselves. But yeah, that has been weighing on me for a little bit, y'all. A little bit. And so I knew I, I knew I was having feelings and emotions about a lot of different things because, y'all, I was in the gym the other day. And in my gym, the TVs are always on like ESPN, Sports Center, all that bullshit. And I was like running on the treadmill and I'm looking up at the TV and there's like this dog competition that's happening. 
And it's like the dogs are doing all these agility courses and tricks and they're following the commands of their trainers and they're all doing so well and they're just so excited. They just look like they feel so accomplished. And it was like the grand finale or something because the final dog had did his little lap. They won the competition. And my ass is getting ready to tear up. I'm getting ready to start crying on the treadmill thinking about this dog and how proud they must feel for their accomplishment because the dog was so excited. The owner was so excited. Everybody was overjoyed. And I was like, wow, I know that dog got to feel so much pride. All the while that dog probably didn't give a shit because that dog was just playing and then got a treat for performing well. But my ass getting ready to start crying on the treadmill thinking about how proud the damn dog must feel. So I know I was just being built up with all kind of feelings and emotion. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, moving us along, though. So my new obsession for the week is Method Man. I get it. I get it. I did like a deep dive into Method Man interviews. And like, I can't get enough. I completely understand the like multi-generational obsession with Method Man. And at the same time, my brain is a wild, wild place. Because then I saw like this commercial for Target. And you know, they had that Methods line of products at Target. And they have like this Methods Men line of products at Target. And my ass was like, huh. I wonder if Method Man uses Methods Men at Target. And if not, he should consider a brand partnership. I'm saying though, it might work out. So I want to share with y'all this TikTok video because I don't be on TikTok. I don't have TikTok. I don't know how to work TikTok. However, my um. People in my life, they consistently send me TikTok videos. So most times I feel like I be in the know about stuff. But this particular TikTok video has been weighing heavy on me for a minute. And I'm going to play it for y'all. But let me set it up a little bit. So it's this video and it looks like it's a recorded podcast. The podcast probably has a name, but I'm not going to shout it out because they're going to be on they be on some bullshit clearly because once I play the clip, y'all going to get it. But it's like these group of young men. Um, the majority appear to be black. There's also maybe a spicy white sitting around this table. And they're talking about like wanting to try heroin just to see if they can kick the addiction and that it'll be a great reality television show. I'm gonna play the clip for y'all. Hold on. Wanna take heroin to see if I can beat the addiction. Oh, be, yeah, if I'm stronger than if I'm stronger enough. Let me I tell you. I'm worth you know. It will make great reality TV. What? So what for you? Six niggas take heroin. Who can drop it? Who can drop it? Hundred k at the end. Yeah. How that is it if none of them do it though? Huh? Sorry, everyone's just. Well, well, six on the Remind you that tweet when Swamp Pool. Y'all said, "Oh, y'all." Remind me of that tweet when Swamp Pool. Y'all said, "Oh." Y'all, there is piss in the dating pool. This is what the dating pool is made of. This is it. This is these like this is also the epitome of when I be talking about like dangly Aaron podcast. Like some of these people need to get these mics from in front of their face. Cause what in the hell? I'm gonna take heroin just to see if I can beat the addiction. It'll make a great reality show. The hell? 
oh my goodness like when i hear shit like that just earth be ghetto as hell but then at the same time from work i used to work in suds right substance use disorder treatment i did that for a number of years and like i didn't see the drugs up close i didn't see the detox up close i've done the treatment all of the things drugs ain't nothing to play with laugh at try to beat no addiction none of that shit none of it i will say though I did have one of the most raw and honest interactions ever when I used to work in inpatient psych. Um, I worked on the mood disorder. Sometimes it was thought disorders would be on the floor, but mainly like mood disorders, detox, and something else. I can't remember. But I used to work on that floor at the hospital. And I was I did, you know, I ran grooves. I did psychosocial assessments some discharge planning, stuff like that. Y'all, I was um doing group one day and one of the patients in the group just straight up said, like, when I leave here, I'm going to get me some crack. And I remember looking at this woman and I said back to her, I believe you. I truly believe that when you leave here, you are going to get you some crack. And she looked back at me and said, thank you for seeing me. Listen. That was years ago. And I have never, ever forgotten about that. But for these people just to be on here, like literally laughing, laughing about the thought of trying heroin just to see if you could beat the addiction and that it'll make great reality TV. Like sometimes I'll be thinking we are doomed. And at the same time, y'all, that's what be in the dating pool. These people are wild. These men are wild sometimes. Absolutely wild but not met the man he not wild met the man just fine and very self-aware y'all should watch uh his interview that he did um with the breakfast club he even talked about when he was at one of his lowest moments of feeling depression and insecurity and anxiety and stuff like he just wanted everybody around him to feel miserable and he did everything in his power to make that possible and, and he grew to have self-awareness around that yo Method man, he not wild. He's not the piss in the dating pool. We need more method men in the dating pool and more men that use methods, including lotion. All right. So what else? What else? What else? What else? Ooh, I think I shared this a couple weeks ago, maybe on Instagram. I've been losing track of the things I share because, you know, it's been so sporadic recently, but I'm an art collector now. And I'm really excited about this piece of art that I now have to add to my collection. It is a storyboard painting of one of the most iconic moments in modern history, a Waffle House fight. And so this particular Waffle House fight, I believe it took place in Georgia. And it's the one where everybody refers to the superhero. Shit, I'm going to call it what, her, what she is. The superhero in the fight, her name is Waffle House Wendy. Um, it the the fight happened with like you know two customers that got on top the counters. I don't know the backstory. Anything is possible at Waffle House though. But two customers, like they got up on the counter. Some of the other customers that were appeared to be in the same friend group, like went behind the Waffle House counter where their employees was at and got to tussling, like literally tussling, grabbing hair, throwing things punching, tussling. 
And then here come these two girls climbing to go over the counter. The girl slipped and fell her ass over the counter into the Waffle House territory. So clearly, free reign, it's on now. You can your ass whoop. And so the Waffle House employees start fighting her. And, you know, the superhero in the whole story, Waffle House Wendy, this white woman, she pull up. And when I tell you, like, throwing hands, throwing hands, like, Waffle House Wendy trained on some Creed shit, throwing hands, like, bop, 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 like, up against that girl head. Um, the girl eventually get free. And then they proceed to walk out because it's just not working out for them. All like the Waffle House gang is a like gang gang. Like you mess with one, you mess with all. They pull up. So they all pulled up and clearly it's not working out for them girls anymore. So they start leaving the restaurant, but they want to get froggy and try to leap again and start throwing shit. And one of the things they throw is a cheer. They threw a cheer. Waffle House Wendy collected that cheer in the air on some like Avengers type shit, spun it around. And like blocked it and threw it. And that chair was headed for Waffle House Wendy face too. So like them reflexes, unworldly, unworldly, unworldly. And so she went down in history for me because if y'all don't know this about me, I'm a Waffle House kind of sore. I love Waffle House. I've never had a bad experience. I've never had bad customer service. I've always been treated with genuine kindness and care. And I always receive some of the best stories from some of the most amazing humans I've ever encountered. I love Waffle House. I ain't got no problem, no issue, no beef for Waffle House. And so obviously when I saw this painting, which I'll share again on Instagram for anybody who wants to see it. But obviously when I saw this painting, it was a storyboard painting, nine different blocks that depicts the entire story from the hair pulling to the girl falling off the counter, to Waffle House Wendy collecting that chair, to them girls leaving Waffle House in disgrace. I had to have it. I had to have it. So now it's framed. I've added it to my collection of the rest of my art. And I feel so grown. Also grown. As an art collector, as at my big age, an art collector. But you know what else got me feeling grown? That's what I'm talking about, feeling grown. Y'all, I bought something called a battery daddy. And that's not what you might be thinking. It's literally this organizer for all of your batteries. Y'all, when I bought that shit, I was like, ooh, Kim, you big grown. Because it's double-sided, right? One side is for AA batteries. The other side is for AAA batteries. And then it has like these special compartments for C batteries, D batteries, for um, smoke detector batteries, all type of shit. So I feel like the next time somebody be trying to like ask me what my age is or card me for some strange reason, I'm going to just show them a picture of my battery daddy because who else has one? Grown folks. We're the only ones that have organizers for our batteries. Nobody else. Nobody else. Absolutely nobody else. Have I heard this new Je uh, Janelle Monet album? Phenomenal. The album is absolutely phenomenal. Like, I know I have my anthem for the summer. Champagne shit, that is my anthem for the summer. Although I don't really, you know, indulge in champagne unless it's a good bottle of champagne. And most good bottles of champagne are going to cost you like $60 or more. I'm more of a Prosecco type of girl. You can Prosecco me down. 
It's one of my love languages. It's the way to my heart. Um, so I'll be popping Prosecco all summer, maybe a splash of champagne if somebody else buy it. But like that new Janelle Monet album, she did it. Like it has Renaissance level transitions. Like the evolution of them as an artist. I live, I'm here for it. And I highly encourage people go give it a full listen all the way through. Don't skip. Let it play. French 75. That's my other jam. Y'all like she, they, excuse me, they really delivered an album for all of us to be able to join in and just be a part of some, something amazing. Like the sounds, the phonics, the beats, the lyrics, the writing, the visual. Go off. Go off Janelle. Go the hell off. And so lastly, for the earth is ghetto <laughs> for this week, I'm convinced that like y'all just aren't praying for me enough. You can't be. I am not up high enough on your prayer list. And the reason I know this is because as a millennial only child to boomer parents and the things that I have to go through with my boomer parents, there's no way that y'all are pray praying for me enough. There's just no way. Because look, I find myself having to use gentle parenting with my parents. Do y'all have to do that too? More specifically, my mama. I really find myself having to use <laughs> gentle parenting with my mama. My mama stay on the move. Go, 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 go. Always moving, always going, always moving, always going. And I'd be like, I really want to be like, girl, sit down. Sometimes I'd be like, girl, sit your ass down. But, I, you know, that don't always work. So what I often end up doing is like, hey, I noticed you've been moving for the last two hours. Are you open to the possibility of taking about a 15 minute break and then maybe getting back up and, you know, starting over again? Have you considered possibly taking a break in the next five minutes? Instead of being like, sit your ass down. Sit down. So I'm not convinced y'all are praying for me enough. And I know I'm not alone. Because as I get older, you get older, we get older. So do they. And then we find ourselves taking on new roles and responsibilities in each other's lives. And I'm not saying like we end up parenting our parents, but I think we also begin to see them. I know for me, like I see my parents as people. And the older I get, the more I see their humanity and um, the more I recognize what I need to change in order to be in the deepest, best, most authentic, genuine and fun relationships with them, which requires some gentleness um, to be able to offer, offer our relationship something that will continue to create some of the best memories of my life thus far. And at the same time, I need y'all to pray for me more because to be the only child of boomer parents, <laughs> I need a check. Somebody need to write me a check. All right. I think that's enough for um, Earth is Ghetto this week. I'm going to save some of this stuff for next week. Let's get into Tales from the Trap. All right. So for Tales from the Trap this week, I don't have a story from when I was actively 
well, not was, I still am. I don't have a story from being actively engaged in the work. Um, I've been cleaning out some of the things in my second bedroom closet, right? So, you know, as you get older, like I mentioned a little earlier, your parents also tell you to come get your shit out of their house. <laughs> and so like that happened to me a while back. And I had just kind of took everything and I put it in this um, container and I just put it in the closet. Uh, but then recently I decided to open up that container to see like what was in it. And what I found was my senior exit portfolio. Um, I don't know about y'all, but like for me, when I graduated from high school, uh, we had to put together this exit portfolio, which essentially documented our time or experience in high school from ninth grade all the way to 12th, like examples of our work in English, social studies, math, creativity. We had to complete community service hours. We had to put together entire presentations to then present in front of a panel of faculty. And then this whole binder that collected all of our work that was also there for faculty to review and then determine if your portfolio um, matched the requirements to be able to graduate from high school. Wild shit, right? Um, so I found my senior exit portfolio and obviously I exceeded mastery because <laughs> baby, I'm no dummy. But y'all like one of the sections in the portfolio is around growth over time. And one of the standards that you had to prove you accomplished while you were in high school was to become an effective communicator. And there's this essay in here that I wrote on September 16th, 2005. It's called, When the Heart Stops Beating, We All Die. Yo, such a serious kid, but I also wasn't a serious kid at the same time, but I was so serious. But y'all wanna read, um a piece of my writing called When the Heart Stops Beating, We All Die. It says, accepting a government with open arms, embracing the wrong seems to be the way Americans conduct their everyday lives. Few seek to overthrow, overtake, or even reject the lies and censorship. Few also seem to search for understanding of their government's views. Few also even seem to take the time out and think about what they would want in their own government, what values rank highest, what would matter most to them. Sometimes I believe that Americans do not understand the amount of power that is out there just for us ordinary people, the capacity that each of us have to change our society for the better or the worse. The question is, could this amount of power that is in reach now be in reach if our, if our government put power before freedom or even if we decided to put power before freedom in our own imaginary government? Is this idea even plausible? Yo, how did I have friends in high school? How did I have friends? What was I going through? <laughs> There are some times when um, I forget just how long I've been like this, right? Just how long I've enjoyed making trouble, having thoughts, organizing, pushing for change, questioning things, 
remaining curious. I forget how much of this is not new to me at all. I've been this way for a very, very, very long time. How did I have friends? How did I have friends? I listen, I'm I'm often struck by my own abilities and how much is within me that I don't even share. Right? Like there's so much on my mind, there's so much that I think about, there's so many different things that I desire to do or want to be a part of that sometimes I forget how much I've already done. And when I found this um, senior portfolio, and I keep in mind, like some of the documents in my exit portfolio are from like 1999 which is also why that I've been thinking this way, <laughs> that I have writings um, to be able to showcase just how cool I was. I didn't feel like I was cool at the time at all. But when I go back and I look at things that I've written or things that you know people have written about me or notes they have left for me, I've been cool and just didn't know it. I always thought I was strange. Well, shit, which I am. Um, awkward, which I definitely am. I didn't know just how brilliant I was, but, or am, what was at the time. But other people did. And I am so grateful that folks didn't give up on me and didn't allow me to shrink, even though I really felt like I wanted to. Um, I really was surrounded by folks throughout my primary educational journey who supported these types of thoughts and beliefs. They encouraged them in the most biggest ways. Like I still can think about the impact that my well, yeah, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade English teachers had on me. Cause you know, your girl was in APIB English cause I could write my ass off. I can't count for shit. I still use my fingers to count. And I can't really spell out loud, but baby, I could write my ass off. Um, and I still think about the impact that they have on me to this day, for which I am so incredibly grateful. And like, as I'm kind of sitting here and talking to y'all right now, I'm looking at some of the headers of some of these other essays. Y'all got an essay in here talking about the impact of whiteness on the Black community. Oh my God, how did I have friends? Such a serious person. Not that serious anymore, though. Not that serious anymore. Um, but I really think about how young Kim, I believe she would be proud. I think she would really like this version of Kim. I think she would be incredibly surprised to see how chill and black we are. Because I know that I was serious. I was focused. There were rules we had to follow and also rules we had to break. Like I was that kid. I was that young adult. But to be this version of me, like this 35-year-old version of me, whose words still resonate like all these years later, it's really cool. 
it's incredibly cool. And I know that this, like these works inside of my senior exit portfolio, they play a huge role in how I show up and operate as a social worker, as a troublemaker, as a therapist, just as a dope ass person. And so I don't have a story from being in the trap, but I will share that I've always been prepared and didn't even know it to do this work in the trap, outside of the trap, a part of the trap. And it feels so cool to be able to see my own brilliance reflected back at me today. So yeah, that's what I got for Tales from the Trap this week. Let's go ahead and move into a good black word. So for a good black word this week, I want to talk about my bodhisattva vows. And I'm going to spell that for y'all just in case you are interested in looking it up and researching it or to see if it applies to your own life. So bodhisattva is spelled B-O-D-H-I-S-A-T-T-V-A. And so my bodhisattva vows, I recite them every morning. Sometimes I have to bring them forward throughout the day as life happens. And so the first one is that beings are numberless. The second one is desires breed pain. The third is truths are without limits. And the fourth is the path that leads to an enlightened being is unattainable. And so for number one, which is beings are numberless, the second part of that is I vow to see them and notice there is no difference between us. And so how I apply that to my life is through a salabona, which is another principle that I live by, which is I see you, right? And therefore, if I can see you, I see me too. And if I see me, I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated because I recognize there's no difference between us at the most human experience of who we are. And so beings are numberless. I vow to notice them and see that there is no difference between us. And so the second vow is that desires breed pain. And the second part of that is I vow to acknowledge them, become aware of them, and then allow them to fall away. And so, yes, I recognize that I have desires. I'm human. Having human experiences, of course, like it's a part of being here with other people on this earth is to have desires. I also recognize that those desires breed pain. And so when I talk about desires, I, it can be something like a desire for recognition or a desire for a position, a desire for more status, just desires. They breed pain. I recognize that desires breed pain. I recognize that I have desires. I acknowledge them. And then I work to allow them to fall away. Right. And so I fully understand that with living comes pain. But with unchecked pain or compounded pain becomes suffering. Suffering is already here with me. It's here with us. I choose not to participate in my own suffering. I also choose not to participate in the suffering of other people. And so by acknowledging that desires breed pain and then making a vow to see them, notice them, and allow them to fall away. It truly leaves this place for me to exist in better relationship with myself so that I can exist in better relationships with other people. And so the third vow is that truths are without limits. 
And as a recovering overthinker, as somebody who, you know, I wouldn't say I was type A, I was like type A minus, everything had a place, one plus one equal two, right? <laughs> but with uh, troops are without limits, the second part of that is I vow to be an active and engaged thinker open to all possibilities. The freedom to think and believe that multiple truths exist and there are other ways of being, of solving problems, of relating, of choosing, you know, practicing joy, practicing goodness, is that truths are without limits. And that particular vow is huge, huge for me in releasing control. Is it an acknowledgement that, hey, you can absolutely be correct too, or that can actually make sense as well, that truths are without limits. I'm going to practice being an active and engaged thinker, open to all possibilities. And the last vow is that the path that leads to an enlightened being is unattainable. And the second part of that is, I acknowledge that I am doing the work and that I am the path. Oftentimes, people, when they're going along their own healing journey, whatever that looks like and feels like for them, we think we have to reach this thing right? Like I have to achieve this one thing. And if I can achieve that thing, then these other things will get better or stop happening and I'll be happier, all of this stuff. If I can achieve this one thing. And with the practice of acknowledging like whatever this false belief is of becoming an enlightened being is completely unattainable because I am actually doing the work and I'm my own path. Like I get to determine where my path leads me. I don't have to go down any one path that someone else has gone down. I get to go down my own. And if I want to switch and go down a different one, I get to go do that too. Because I am doing the work and that I am my own path. And so with all of these vows comes with this commitment to practicing goodness. And I commit to practicing goodness so that I can invite awareness and compassion into my own life. So if I can remain in a place of acknowledging that beings are numberless, I promise to notice them and see that there is no difference between us, that desires bring pain, breed pain. I vow to become aware of them and allow them to fall away, that truths are without limits. I promise to be an active and engaged thinker, open to all possibilities, and that the path that leads to an enlightened being is unattainable. I acknowledge that I am the path and I'm doing the work. That allows me to practice good. And the reason I choose to pra practice good is that I can invite awareness and compassion into my own life. And so I want to encourage y'all to do the same. How can we really begin to actualize and recognize that beings are numberless, meaning I see you. And if I see you, then I can see me. And if I see me, I'm going to treat you as such. And that desires breed pain. And as long as we hold on to desires, if that's a desire for status, relationship, money, whatever it is, at the root of most desires is pain. And what would happen if we acknowledge we're having those desires and that we work to release them? And that truths are without limits. Your way is not the only way. Your way is not always the right way or the right way. There are multiple ways 
there are multiple truths. We could be active and engaged and we could be open to all the possibilities and still exercise reason and logic. And then lastly, if we really begin to operate with a true sense that our paths belong to us, that we are doing the work, that we are our own path, we don't have to follow anyone else's. We don't have to achieve one goal. There's no one correct way to live life, to go down your own path journey of healing, of understanding, to get back to yourself. And one of the biggest and greatest ways that we can practice goodness is to practice in ourselves first. And once we invite goodness into our lives, we can commit to being and practicing awareness and compassion. And so that is my good black word for the week. This has been good. This has been good, incredibly good for myself, my spirit, and for my heart. And so as always, y'all, please remember to take care of your hearts so that we can take care of each other. Because at the end of the day, we are truly and honestly all that we have. Y'all be well. Talk to you next time.